Thanks to our sponsors, Renault. The Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. Remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, big green. Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show in association with Renault. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oisín McConville, by the former Kerry footballer, Brian Sheehan, and by the sports editor of the Irish Examiner, Tony Lean. It's late here on Sunday night as we record this review of the weekend's four football quarterfinals. We can reduce the story of this weekend to two basic facts. On Saturday, July the 9th, Galway and Derry will meet at 5.30pm in the first All-Ireland football semi-final. The second fact is that on the following day, Sunday, July the 10th, Dublin will play Kerry in the second semi-final at 3.30pm. But facts tell only a very small part of the story of this weekend. And they certainly don't do justice to what it was like to be in Croke Park today and indeed on Saturday. I enjoyed the Galway and Armagh match more than any other match for a very, very long time. And Oshin, I have to start with you. And I want to start in injury time of normal time. What were you thinking when your nephew, Rui O'Neill was placing the ball for that free, which he needed to get to bring the game to extra time? I panicked a little bit first, Paul, because um, Aidan Falker tried to kick it to... Ethan Rafferty, and I thought this is probably as good a chance as we get. Um, I was afraid that Goldrick, if we had a couple of plays, would have bl- actually blown it up. Um, so I thought the best, um, the best eventuality and situation for Armagh was to set it down and have a go. I think he'll, he'll kick seven out of ten of them. I think he never struggles for distance. Uh, I think adrenaline kicks in. Um, I think situation kicks in and if he misses it it's probably not going to perturb him too much he's just that sort of well when i say he's just that sort of character these misses hurt, hurt everybody but i think brain might be able to tell you as well like i got to a stage where um personally where when i took free kicks um i felt as if i had made peace with the fact that i was the right person to hit them that I was the best person to hit them, and also that I was going to miss an odd one here now. And you try to reduce how many important ones you miss, but um, like you start to you start to walk through it in your mind, and you think, right, for every ten free kicks I'm hitting, I'm probably I'm probably scoring nine. Now it was a very difficult free kick. I heard him for small, and it was chaos at that stage. The last five minutes was. Two goals. It was it was chaos, and I didn't think Ryan was had one of his better games. I didn't think he was massively in the game, even though he had low, lots of good moments. Um, but he seemed very calm around everything that he was doing. So I, I thought it was okay that way. He wasn't really involved in anything controversial or anything like that. And I just thought, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to um, to set it down and kick it and. Your mentality, as I say, as a free taker, changes. It has to be a certain mentality, and that's why I only 
only certain players can step up and hit those in big moments. So I think he his mentality, you know, was that like if I miss it, I miss it. But um, that nine times, well, not nine times, seven or eight times out of ten, he's going to kick that. It's a monster kick. It's a monster kick, and it's into a slight wind as well. You know, when, and um, Copac, at that point, uh, so I was I was sitting in the the Hogan stand down under the RTE box, and when the first goal went in, you gave a kind of a gentle wave of the program in the air. I looked up. When the second goal went in, I think Brian, you might have seen this as well. You um, well, you got somewhat excited, uh, Oshin, and there seemed to to be the need for technological uh, refurbishment of the studio and of yourself when it was finished. <laughs> and when the free went over the bar that time, I actually thought you could have ended up beside us in the Hogan stand. <laughs> um, it was it was a. It was one of the most spectacular five minutes of football. And in the middle of it, Shane Walsh, who was a really, really very good footballer, did an extraordinary thing down right in front of us where he had possession. Uh, coming down along the sideline, he had a simple down-the-line ball to give, which I think would have put Fina. I'm not sure exactly who he would have put in, but he, he sent the ball across the field and he gave it back to our man. It's it's this it's the soccer one when you see the boys taking the ball into the corner and and boys start taking lump, lumps out of the person who's taking it into the corner and I thought the Galway had a great opportunity to run down the clock but Ama were 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 chasing like their lives depended on I suppose in, in many ways it did and uh, I couldn't believe it when he kicked the ball over and started to drift out towards I, th- I think. I can't remember who had one of the Mackins, maybe I think it could have been Conor Mackin that ended up with the ball. But that just gives you that one one more chance and then you have to make the most of it, you know. But uh, it was a really poor decision on Shane Walsh's part. But uh, that's something that's, that I that I mentioned as well, I think, last week or with, with Galway. The one thing I was concerned about them in the, in the Conor final game against, in the Conor Championship game against Mayo. They were, they were cruising and all of a sudden they were getting a couple of frees here and there and they just kicked it away they were blowing him into the corner and instead of and i was on about game management and this is where i thought that and if you look at the last three games they've played their game management when they've been up five or six points has been very very poor just you know i mean they should not be letting a team into the into the game at like this uh, especially when you're both inside the crop park if you have to you know land inside the square paul conroy for my for me should have been sitting inside in the square there for the last five times that game when they were six points up because the only way our man were going to come into that was was a goal and they were obviously going to go route one. Even if they were going to run through, he's a big man. You, know, you, you take your punishment, you just, at all costs, don't come through the middle. But even like that with Shane Walsh, I thought, go at your man. Simply go at him, win your free. Because it's that stage of the game, you can't take him down because you know it's going to be free. You know they're going to go back up again. It was a case for me, just go at your man, win your free. He can't touch you. Take him on, kick it over the bar, kill the game, kill the ball. The big thing for me was either kill the ball, even if you put it wide, at least you're facing the kick out. But as you say, by keeping the ball in play, it's allowed our man to go back down the field. And the ref gave them that opportunity to go back down the field and give them one opportunity. But as I said, it's our game management in the last three games between the Mayo game in the Connacht Championship, Roscommon in the Connacht final, and again today, they really need to start it out going to the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, we have to give Galway credit as well, though, Brian, don't we? Because I, I think 
it's fair to say that Galway in, in, in over for a stretch of years have conspired to lose a lot of tight games and there have been questions about Galway's backbone if we're really straight up about it when it comes down to these games but they, they kept coming back today I mean they won it three times lost it three times and we're still there at the end Look, absolutely, don't get me wrong. They have come an awful long way. And and I know even, I think, Partly Dry said it in his comments after the game today that, you know, that team had been, uh, you know, getting a lot of slack over their performances and not being able to see the games out or not being able to, to win big games. And in fairness, they won a cracker of a game today. And I think that will stand them. It absolutely will stand them. And a lot of credit is due to them even an extra time from when they were, to, after what happened in normal time coming into extra time and can see the goal again the next time. They came back down the field and had the composure to get another goal. So, yeah, there is massive credit due to Galway. There absolutely is. But, again, I'm just going to make the point that if there's something they have to work on, I think they're going to have to work on seeing out these games when they're... Like, in all the games they were, they were six points up. I mean, they should not be letting a team back into a game six points up. Yeah. I, Tony, and, and... Tony you, were in the, you were in the corridors afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, after the game... Um, between the games and then after the Kerry Mayo game, was there discussion of, was there much discussion about the row? Was there much discussion over, in particular, the choice of the two particular players who who got red carded between between normal time and, and extra time? Well, there'll be no discussion, Paul, on that. Certainly in the initial phase, because everybody's going to kick the touch. I mean, you know, there's been... It's probably the one that's going to have the longest lifespan, um, those incidents. But you'd like to think, and I would certainly like to think that in terms of memory, that the football will actually override what happened at the end of normal time. I saw it happening and I saw it happening before it happened. I knew it was I knew it was going to happen. I mean. I do think that there is some blame attaching still to authorities for allowing teams to go come out and go down the same tunnel. I remember one of the questions I asked the famous Frank Murphy in Parky Cueve was what changes they'd make to the tunnel when they redevelop Parky Cueve. And he actually said for that very specific reason, they actually were going to have two points of entry on two points of exit. Obviously, if it was the only game in Crow Park, they'd have been on the opposite side of the field. The two lads know exactly like where I'm talking about. There is just those steps down on the Cusack sand side. But everybody was aware that they were going to be going down, whether it was at the end of a game or whatever. Should there have been a situation where you were trying to hold one team back? These are all and if, buts and maybes at this stage. But I looked over two Armagh players. Like, obviously, Armagh were wound up like a clock by the end. Obviously, Rhian O'Neill had just kicked an outrageous free to actually bring the team to extra time. They'd, after scoring two goals in extra time, they were actually up to 90. One of the Armagh guys went over, buffeted um, Comer, Damien Comer, in the back. Another Armagh guy came in with him. Comer, in fairness to him, took some punishment today, by the way took some punishment over the 70 minutes. Um, and people might Gave say, a bit himself too, I have to say. Well able to take it, but took a lot of punishment. He reacted. Another Galway guy jumped in. And that's all it took. It, you know, in ordinary circumstances, it might have calmed down. 
but the whole tension at that moment was at fever pitch. We'd just seen an extraordinary game of football that had already gone, remember, 80 minutes before we even got to extra time. I mean, there are so many frustrations for Armagh tonight. I'm being honest with you, the least of them is the least of them tonight is going to be the trouble at the end of normal time. With eight minutes, with sorry, with eight minutes and fifty-one seconds gone in the allotted eight minutes of injury time. Jamar Hall kicks the ball over the bar, dodges inside, kicks the ball over the bar. Suddenly, three eighteen to two twenty, Armar ahead. At that stage, Oshin, I I actually genuinely did think they are going to close it out. Here's the very interesting thing that somebody texted me about right, I'd say, about that moment. And I just like your thoughts on it. At that moment right there, Armagh were going a point ahead in an epic game after an epic comeback. Galway had the restart. Armagh had a choice. Did they actually press up? actually press press up really high the clock was done what did Armagh do everybody just turned south and ran straight back and set up in their own half now it's all very easy and wise right now but McGinley is such a shrewd person they set something and nothing happens by chance in that Armagh setup I mean in fairness I know McGinley and I know not not as well as obviously the other man on this call but I know that they are set up to within an inch of their lives. I am really surprised, Paul, that they actually gave an entire half of the field with literally seconds remaining. I would have, again, you would have thought at that stage, do the famous Dublin trick, what they did to Kerry and Mayo in the past. Literally collapse on top of fellas from the kickout. Make sure that if you were giving a free, you were stopping the clock again. I, I genuinely thought it was that little tiny shaft of light. Because don't get me wrong, over the piece, for me, Galway were the better side. Galway deserved to win the game. It was a very good even game for 50 minutes. And then after that, Galway were the better side. They blew it and they recovered it. But there was that shaft of light for Armagh to make an All-Ireland semi-final and not to make Oshin feel even sicker than he does already. That was that moment for me. To actually just kill the game, collapse the play, burn down the clock and give Do David Coldrick the situation where after 60 seconds of that nonsense, he was going to blow the final whistle and Armagh win by a point. The funny thing is that, that if you remember, um, Tony, that, that kick-out was actually delayed as well. It was. Because um, they won, I can't remember who it was, it was down with Cramp um, for Galway. Um, and I, I thought I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it when I seen us not pressing the kickouts because that was the one thing that had had really stood to us. Um, but I, 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 I understand. I also understand that you know when you're in the lane, you just go listen. We will be able to hold out because Arma had a couple of passenger passenger play in extra time where Galway, you know, kept maneuvering the ball to a certain point, and Arma were able to just have that extra bit of patience and see them out and uh, turn the ball over, get back up to the top end of the field. And But I felt it was a mistake at the time and it turned out it, it was a mistake, but I can also see me, I can vis visualise me on the sideline going, right, everybody halfway lane, let's go. Let's get them to try yeah. and break us down. So 
as much as I felt it was a, it was that's probably something like I would I would do. It was an amazing point. I, I think that that should be said. It was an incredible score from Killian McDade. First yeah. of all, Jamar Hall's yeah. was a brilliant score. But you'd almost... Jamar Hall, Hall's actually was a goal chance. It was a goal chance. It was goal. Although I do see he probably, he... yeah, he probably thought a point would do it. He thought a point would do it. And if you're if you were our man, they first of all had Killian McDade, and it's he managed to get himself free, and he was he uh, how he managed to still have the energy to do it was incredible, but it was an unbelievable point, and you know you'd almost give it as a percentage shot. I'm not saying you would give it as a percentage, you would almost give it as a percentage shot. So that's the risk reward on it, Brian. Can I can I Paul ask Oshina a question? It, it, again, it can't be a coincidence the number of agricultural, some people would call them, I would call it anything but high balls that were put in at the edge of the of the Galway Square. Kieran Donaghy was someone who carved a reputation all the way back from 2006 from profiting from stuff on the edge of the square. Do you think he or Armagh identified a weakness that Connor Gleeson was suspect under that kind of stuff because anything that went in there with height actually ended up in the back of the net. And you'd actually say it. The only reason I'm suggesting it might have been an act of desperation and not tactic is that they didn't do it until the last 10 yeah. minutes of the game. So, but it just seemed as well, Oshin, to be too consistent in the latter stages to be coincidental. And I just think with Donahue in there, I'm just wondering, do you think it was something or not? I'd say it would have been a, a source of frustration that when Armagh played with Rain and Torbett in for most of the second half together, that we didn't kick more ball in. And we just mm. seemed like we now can get enough opportunity. But the thing I would say is that do you see the ball that Ethan Rafferty kicked into Rain right at the end? Yeah. He won it and he fisted it across the goals. Yeah. That's what Armagh, that's what Kieran Donaghy is bringing. Yeah, the, other, the other two, to be fair, one was dropped short from Rain. Um, and the other one was just a just a, a ball. It was a route in. It was a it was a hopeful ball in. But see the one where um, where Ethan Rafferty kicks it with the outside of his boot. Rian goes up, collects it, and that's pre-planned. That's worked yeah. on. That's uh, you know. And the other thing about that one is you probably don't even want to be using that. You want to be using that when you're two on two or three on three or you're even you know three on two against. Um, but when they have that many bodies in there, somebody going up and winning a clean um, is unlikely. But Armagh were able to do that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, it's pre-planned. But I think on, on some of those occasions, it was just pure desperation. But I, I, I thought at the start of the game, especially the first 10, 15 minutes, Armagh did a lot of kicking the ball. And I think it, it worked for them. Now, obviously, then I think Galway kind of got the grips of the game a small bit from the point of view of the... Again, we're probably just that bit rusty. And I think our mad info is a bit difficult. Or either our mass stopped kicking it in, or Galway kind of got their defensive structure in place and started getting more bodies back. And our mad didn't stop kicking the ball. I just thought the first 15 minutes again, when our man were kicking, they were doing very well. They were on top. And all of a sudden, then once Galway found their feet, I'm just surprised that our didn't try and, and get up the field that bit quicker and try and get that, that long kick going into, into the boys inside because, as you say, look when the ball did go in, it, they caused havoc in there. But it's just, I think Galway kind of got to, to, to Armagh and they kind of, they, they just stopped Armagh from kicking, Armagh stopped 
kicking the ball. And Armagh, I think, had very little in midway through the second half. They just seemed to found lacked ideas of how to break down, how to break all we don't. I think Armagh tried to tried to tread the Ave needle with some of them balls, you know, early on. In fact, some of them were just completely not on yet still sort of half worked out for us. Um but I don't you know. Said, just, you're you very said, deflated, Oshin. You feel very, no. This, it's this not. I'm just. Chance, I'm just. Chance gone. I, I, yeah, but I'm. I'm just in tatters. I'm in tatters. Why? Much, Why? What do you I, mean? I just the emotion of it. Just, I just, I, I just couldn't handle it. I just couldn't and handle it because the crowd from Armagh, like it was such an occasion, right? And the crowd from Armagh was, it was, it was unreal. In, in the ground 20 minutes before the game it was just this it was just this the place had been tangled like it was just it was just orange orange everywhere <laughs> ar- 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 around the place and yeah. and it was it was a really wonderful atmosphere and it but but it feels like it feels like there was a huge chance gone missing here no absolutely it's a, it was a huge chance gone missing and and to be honest by the time it had got to extra extra time at the end of extra time I was done with that game I was finished I couldn't give I couldn't give anymore I couldn't give the game anymore and I, I, and look the players were absolutely out in their feet and the amount of players was cramping was something abnormal I don't want to be unkind to the Armagh players but I think we got to the stage where we had just completely run out of bodies I think there was some of those guys who ended up that, in the yeah. pit Ended up on the pitch way ahead of their time as far as, you know, I would say that, you know, two years down the line, some of those guys would be fit for, for Crow Park and, and, and what everything that an All-Ireland quarterfinal would entail. But some of it was, um, some of the players who come on, I'd say were way ahead of schedule. And, uh, and you probably could see that. I think just purely and simply, it was a body thing. I think... The, the four Armagh players that have been out, uh, Kieran Mackin come back, didn't look as sharp, obviously. Tiernan Kelly, Oshie uh, uh, O'Neill and and, and Nair Grimley were huge misses in an area where, you know, we were struggling at different stages. And that was between the two 65s. That's what I felt. I, th- I thought at one stage we were, we were way out of it between those two areas. Can I ask a quick question there uh, yeah. again? And this this intrigues me so much, and it's great, Oshin, that you're on the show and we have this insight. I mean, I think Ryan O'Neill is a freak of an athlete. I think he's he's a good footballer. I don't think he's the finished article by any means, but I would certainly, if I was Armagh, be building a game plan around him. I was watching him an awful lot today, and he was going away from the play a lot he was creating diversions a lot he was creating lanes for other players a lot which is all very fine and dandy and laudable and everything like that but i'm not sure Armagh, for me got the best out of Rian o'neill today and i just wonder would you explain to me what the thought process is there you know it almost seemed and i don't want to be derogatory and saying this it almost seemed a small bit of kind of mayo with Aidan O'Shea kind of like will we put him there will we bring him out will we get him to do decoys will we throw him in at the edge of the square 
I, do you think that they got the most out of him today? And I appreciate asking you that is slightly unfair. No, no, but... that's, uh, there's no, there's absolutely no problem with asking me that. I, I, a lot of people looked at his performance against Donny Gall and thought, this is it. This guy has a raved and seen finish Ariel, all those sort of things. Uh, loads and loads plotted, one seven from play or whatever it was. I actually enjoyed his performance against Tyrone more because it was more mature because Rian's going to be targeted. He's not going to be in the ball as much. And therefore, when he is on the ball, really good things have to happen. But in order for good things to have to happen, he has to be more patient. So he might have to pop the ball once or twice at the start of the game. He might have to, you know, he might have to make that run, play somebody else in, that sort of thing. Um, it's a very interesting question, Tony. And you know why it's a very interesting question? Because I looked at Shane Walsh today and I thought, I didn't think Shane Walsh was in the top of his game today, though. No, no me Every either. time you get the ball, three-armor players into the, into it. And that's how they ended up getting that goal um, at the end as well. Um, sucked three players in. And I think Armagh thought, listen, do you know what I mean? He's not, Ryan's not going to do the damage that he did the last day. But do you know what we have? We have the Aiden Nugents. We have the Rory Grugans. We have the... Um, we Duffy. have the Stephen Campbells, you know. We have we have all these guys who can do damage while they're trying to protect him. And and why when they're doing damage, that might free Ryan up a little bit. And that's I think that was some of the thinking behind uh, the way the way Ryan played. And I think the other thing is that I think at this stage uh, he's trusted that much. He's still a very very young lad, and he's he's captain or vice captain or sorry, joint captain. And I think a lot of the decisions that he's making on the field, he's trusted to make on the field. I think there's a couple of players in that field who are, who, who you will accept turnovers. That makes sense. If that you will accept somebody kicking the ball when maybe you think mm, it's not a hundred percent on, but he tries to tread the eye of a needle with a pass. And if it's cut out, it's cut out. And I don't think he's one of the players that's going to be pulled up on that. So I think a lot of the time uh, he's making the decision for where he plays. When I say that, I mean in-game time. Mm. A lot of work being done off the pitch to decide, you know, where's the best place for you to be. Um, I just felt in the second half, he spent too much time in the full forward line, uh, considering there wasn't enough ball going in. And I think we could have done more damage from uh, from deeper. But I do think that I'm at, one of the things that I'm at, said to themselves was, listen, Kelly's probably the best defender these yeah. guys have. If we can keep him out of the game, you know, it'll give us loads and loads of traction for the other for the other lads. I, I think that's a really important point. Because yeah. Sean, Sean Kelly is an excellent footballer. And uh, Galway, Park Joyce, John John Divoli, Keane O'Neill, they've constructed a really fine footballing team there and Galway are getting better and I think Brian's point is a really good point Galway are six points up in Mayo and were comfortably better that day and nearly, nearly they, well they they, 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 they they lurched over the line in the end they were well better than Roscommon six points again, better than things they were six points ushing up on Roscommon two minutes or on, on our mat today, two minutes into injury time like that, this is Galway are a serious team here, and mm-hmm. there's a pathway for Galway now to 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 an All Ireland final, which is wide open. 
I would, there's no disputing the fact, and, and I, I agree with, with the lads. I, I think Galway were, were well worth their, worth their victory today. Um, but they did everything in the power to, to, to mess that up, you know, in eight minutes of football. Mm. And and I think uh, the thing that would worry me about Galway is that there seems to be a lot of lapses in concentration. You know, there seems to be little lapses during during the game. Like they didn't start the game really, really well. There's a flat period in the second half, and then right at the end of the game, there was even that little lapse. You know, for for the goal and in, in injury time, and so there's little lapses, and you just don't won't get away with it from now on. They get away with it today, but you just won't get away with it from now on. But they're a team that are improving. I like their athleticism. I like the fact today, and going back to to Tony's point, um, I like the fact today that. I don't know, Ahmad did okay on Walsh. When people say you blot somebody out of the game, I think you can limit limit somebody's contribution. Somebody like Walsh, somebody like Coma, but you're not going to completely take them out of the game, and you have to be accepting of that. Yeah, Finnerty uh, as well. Yeah, and, and but that's what. I'm, but the point I'm trying to make is that Finnerty and Matthew Tierney stood up, and in yeah. that situation, that's what you need. And when they were standing up, gives Walsh a chance to to get himself into the game. Then because you're not as you're not as clued into Walsh all of a sudden. You're not as clued into Coma. You're thinking, do I need to switch my best man marker on the Finnerty? He's got three points from play. Tierney has two points from from eleven. Do I need to? You know, does somebody need to? Somebody else need to go to him? And all of a sudden, it starts to get you thinking. So, and and then you have Conroy and McDaid with a performance that I knew he was going well. I, I picked him out before the game, but. I didn't see that coming, and you're right about that last kick. The intent that that showed was was remarkable. It was. I'm just looking here, Paul, at the program. Um, they got a scoring contribution from everybody, from number seven up to fifteen, and they got from their starting forwards. They got one fifteen from their starting forwards. Plus, Finian Oli, I think, got a point when he came on as well. Actually, so. You could actually say one So, like, that is some return. Um, and it took, actually, Paul Conroy quite a bit of time to get into the game. I mean, like, Paul Conroy is very much seen as a talisman. Killian McDade, like, I think, was he the man of the match? Did they give him man of the match? Yeah. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there is a nice balance there. I have to say, like, I mean, I've seen Matthew Tierney quite a bit over the... I remember Brian when he won a, I think it was they won an All Ireland Intermediate with Luke Gerard, um a couple of years ago, and I remember seeing him then and thinking to myself, but I think Rob Finnerty is another player that's come on. We know about Johnny Heaney. Like they're a serious balance side, and I know it's you know you said it there, Paul. Like I mean, there's a clear pathway to an All Ireland final. I'm still. I, I'm not convinced in my head yet because I've seen Galway flatter to deceive so many times in the more recent years. But I am just saying that an All-Ireland final place is there for them now. That's what I'm saying. I'm not convinced that I wouldn't be ruling Derry out of that semi-final, but I do think Galway would go into it now as favourites. I'm not convinced about any of these teams. I don't no, know. It's amazing. It's amazing after a weekend of football. <laughs> is, you can actually make right. Right. Yeah. Is right. There's question marks over everything that's left. And there was question marks, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to think did anybody, did any of the eight teams go in today without any question marks over them? Like the, the, the reason there were 70 
one and a half, what did they say? It was 70 something, 71 and a half thousand people in Crow Park today was because of Galway Armagh. It wasn't because of Kerry Mayo. Yeah. I think, and there's A, because obviously Armagh are a very well supported team, but I genuinely feel the football supporting public was crying out for a game of football. And they knew they were going to get that from Galway and Armagh. Was there I mean, anyone else on the plane with you coming up, Brian, or did you did you were you on your own? Pretty much on my own, to be honest. You. <laughs> they were they were coming up to, yeah, in the private, cars today. Basically, a private jet. Private, private jet. jet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but in fairness, like I, I couldn't get over the amount of Armagh supporters that was there today, and I, I genuinely think that that atmosphere that was there today fed into that game. Because I don't care what you say, when you're inside there and you're the players, you feed off that. You feed off the excitement. You feed off the atmosphere. Obviously, it takes the players to put in the effort and making put in the the the, the 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 intensity into into the game and and bringing the game to a pace to get the crowd excited. But the crowd give it back to it as well. And if and you Brian, compare contrast, that, if you compare that to the second game, yeah, the second where, game by Mayo, where were like Mayo supporters have been unbelievable for ten years in pulling that team forward and they're feeding off each other. And the second game was, it was it was devoid of atmosphere for long is stretches. There, is there an issue there, lads, with with James Horn and the Mayo supporters? I don't know. I think I think there is a small hint. I don't know is it specifically James or his tenure, but I do genuinely feel there's a fatigue factor there now with Mayo supporters. They've been there for a decade. And they know deep down, and today proved it, that they're, they're further away now than they have been for some time. Um, and you're into a rebuild. But you've got to factor in as well today, lads, that it was very much, as I said earlier to somebody else, it was very much like, you know, the donkey and butt coming after the Lord Mayor's carriage. It really was, you know, it was a, it was an awful fall off. And then the, the weather, the rain, we had a really yeah. bad dose of rain, which made it the pitch like a skating rink. Kerry were a mile off it in terms of where they needed to be and Mayo just don't have the facility to get there anymore. And it was a very, very pale imitation of the first game. So, you know, curtain raiser, my arse. There's not more to it. Brian, I don't know if you've been in that situation or, or you guys have been in that situation, but sitting in change rooms waiting for a game that's supposed yeah. to be the scheduled for an hour and 15 minutes earlier as a huge effect on lads. I was just talking to Paul about that before we came on. And it does because, like, I recall when you're going to Crow Park, I'd, you know, I'd have my headphones on, play my bit of music, getting yourself in, in the zone. And I had my routine when I got to Crow Park. I got my routine, found my spots. It's whatever it is about, about us we carry it. It was a kind of a case of, we were like cows coming in the evening. We all went to the same spot. Every fella sits in the same corner in any dressing room we go to, be it Tralee, Killarney, Parky Cueve, and Crow Park. You always had your spot. And when you go in there, who did you one, sit beside? Uh, I always sat beside, um, who did you sit beside me? I was in the corner. Uh, Donny, he was alongside me. Donny, he was in the, just up alongside me, yeah. So there was Donny and a couple of those, one, one young fella. Jesus, who was this? Oh, Paul Gain, he was sitting next to me. Paul Gain, yes, it was. Um, so, but again, it was just every fella had their spot. But I had my routine, came in, you know, you, you put on your bag, you pick up the program, went out onto the field leader to watch the last five minutes of the first game, 
either walk around the field maybe just to get a feel for it just to see if it was wet or what way the wind was blowing and and that's it we're back in i got my ankles taped up went into the warm-up area just kept my ball handling right just you know hand pass off the wall or meet with someone and you were getting yourself ready for it and all of a sudden you're told right lads game's gonna take your time and you just have to come back down again because you can't keep going you're building 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 and all of a sudden right and you have to come back down and all of a sudden then you're kind of saying right what's left now and you're kind of saying okay it's half time now of extra time and all of a sudden you're trying to get yourself up for it again and look it does it 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 does it does affect you um i suppose you as you haven't eaten since two hours prior to kick to, to throw in that's another part that's there again um you're about hydration i was an awful for thinking oh, i drank too much water i'm not going to be carrying around full bladder with me i do and this kind of stuff i don't want to drink any more water um it it, it it does it just it just especially when you get your emotions so high and, and you're pumped up for it and all of a sudden you have to come back down it's just mm-hmm. a massive high into a massive to, to a, a drop so quickly and you know I, I even think it affected Kerry even last year against with the with the Tyrone because they were training ready for an all Ireland semi-final and all of a sudden the game was called cancelled and called off so their week of training coming into the first to the where the game was supposed to be played training would have been tapered you wouldn't have been going hard at it because you were they were backing off and all of a sudden then you had to try and get yourself back up again to go hard at it for a week in order then to taper off last week and that just kind of puts you off off, off kelter small bit you know what i mean and yeah look as ocean said there it, it does slightly it does try you it does try you and um i just think even the atmosphere as well i just think after the first game sure i, I was spent myself for the carry game i was you know after having that excitement of the first game sure the second game you can already hear the players talking as well. Do you know what I mean? And I know a lot of the crowd had probably left as well, but at the same time, I think even the crowd would that the whole crowd were just fatigued as well, I think, after the first game. Would, would the Armagh supporters have stayed on O'Sheen if they'd won? Yeah. Yeah. And if it wasn't raining. Actually, a lot of, a lot of people come back in, a, a lot of Marama, but a lot of people actually come back in yeah um five minutes into the yeah. after the start of the um of that second game so i would say there was a lot of people just sick and just went on home my, i know my wee boys were on a they were on a bus they were up playing in um whitehall all morning so the bus was supposed to go straight after the um Arma match so it was obviously delayed a couple of hours before it was home but um I think a lot of the Arma, a lot of Arma people would be that sick that they would maybe not go straight home, Tony. Mm. Maybe not straight home. A lot of them would say would still not be home, but um, yeah, they, they, they would, I would say they would have stayed. They would have been in better form to stay. If, if were you um, impressed by Kerry, Oshin? Um, I was impressed by Kerry. I was impressed by certain things, to be honest. Like, like what what can Kerry do to only keep passing the test that they're supposed to pass? want to listen they don't want to listen to me about you know ridiculing them about you know the fact that all i'm saying all i all i keep saying is they're not way ahead of everybody else okay kerry can win all air and of course they can but they're not way ahead of everybody else and and like mayo caused them loads of problems today um at different times and they couldn't convert the chances and look at that's what football's all about it's about converting the chances and and no i'm not going to go through a whole uh feast of of mayo's um inability in front of goals no point because we you know we, we've rehashed that a hundred times 
a thousand times maybe. But um, Kerry did what they had to do. They did enough, um, and yet it feels as if it's still not enough. If that, it, it just feels as if there's there should be so much more, so much more fluency to the way they play. Like the transition has to be better than than it is. You can't keep coughing up the turnovers that they're coughing up. Yeah. When I say they can't, I I don't know because I I'm, like maybe this this championship is just that poor quality that you know they, you you can do that. They they could yeah. win in All Ireland, turning no, the ball no. over the way they do, but not um, against the good team. It is quite it is quite alarming. I think it is yeah. because if you were playing at Dublin or. At, if you're playing Armagh or, or Galway today and Kerry turned over, they wanted the ball, they turned over cheaply. They would have been punished mm. big time. And they just came up against a team in Mayo who, as we're always here talking about, don't convert their chances. Mayo had a period there today for 15 minutes in the second half. And I think they kicked four or five boys in the trot or dropped even two or three short. Four scores out of 16 shots in the second half. Yeah, it's like, look, as, look as Oshin said, we don't want to be here repeating ourselves over and over because that's all we're doing with them. But, that's that's there been their actually least, actually for the last couple of years is is their conversion rate up front and it's not anything to do with effort and I think as you turn around and say you, I always say forwards is what when you they'll win you games you know what I mean we can have these defensive structures but if you've got good forwards and it's win an all Ireland you've got to have forwards we seen today with with um, Galway you know we said all their forwards kicked into and you had to start there from five to fifteen if we look at the carry forwards I would say probably most of the carry forwards chipped in today. Well, I would say most of them, but again, they have the capability of of kicking big scores. They can bring in good kickers off the bench in Killian Spillane and Tony Brosnan. But again, that just that look, that's where just Mayo are at. And um, look, I agree with Oshin does. I think Kerry, have, they needed that game today. It was a yeah. bad performance, but I still think it was a case of they just needed to get that dirty petrol out of the system because they just didn't know where they were at. It was the, probably the first serious outfit they had met since the league. And I wouldn't even say the league final. I would probably say Tyrone in the last in the league in Killarney, even though Kerry had qualified for the league already, league final. It was probably the most competitive game they've had. So now they've had that under the belt. They now know okay what it takes to get to what level to play inside in Crow Park, but they're still they're still big areas to me. And I think one of the areas is the amount of ball Kerry turned over in in the final third. I think some of the balls they kicked in, into into David Moore to, or into David uh, Clifford today were. I know the weather was bad, but they were. Balls that were up in the air for a back to come through a fella. There was one or two of them on the ground. Um, there was times where Gavin White just ran into cul-de-sacs and got turned oh, over. Do you know, their, their efficiency up front is actually not good enough for me for the most times they, that they go into the opposition half. And you know, Brian, do you know, Brian, do you know what's another point as well? You know, the way I, I mean, and you're obviously part of it. Like, I've heard from many people and coaches that have been involved in Kerry about the game smarts in that dressing room, like that there's massive game intelligence. And in fairness, like that's something that is credited towards Kerry teams, rightly or wrongly, and probably primarily rightly. I was stunned. To, well, I was stunned is probably a strong word. I was very surprised today by the lack of game smarts in how the quality of ball, the type of ball that they were putting into. David Clifford actually, in, you could see after 10 minutes, he, he went backwards, he stood he injured his ankle. And yet, I would say of the next six possessions that Kerry had, they put in these four or five 50-50 balls, which were a defender's dream like, to actually clean out David Clifford. Now, yeah. 
I'm not saying like, you know, everything hinges on David Clifford, you know, being fit, but he is their, he is their talisman. It's no coincidence that despite the fact that he was injured, A, he still was responsible for the game's key moment and B, they still left him on the field like for 60 odd minutes. What stupid balls they were putting into him. I mean, talk about compounding an injury situation with your key player. And there was so much of that today. I think you give them a pass because there is a lot of genuine reasons that they were as sloppy as they were today. But let's not get away from the fact that Kerry were extraordinarily sloppy. I have never seen Gavin White, and I think he's one of Kerry's best players, and I'm always singing his praises. I've never seen him make so many bad decisions in possession, turning into trouble, going down a sideline where there was no exit route, getting turned over time after time after time. I'm saying, Oshin, that has to be down to the fact. Like, Jack O'Connor came into the press room afterwards and was very pointed, and you could see the frustration in his face because he actually even threw the question out to the reporters. Like, we're punished for winning a provincial final. That can't be right, lads, can it? Is what he said. A change for and, next year. Oh, it, and, he's, and he mentioned, thanks be to God, that it is. this is the last year of it because... Like there was a lot of reasons that Kerry were as poor as they were today, but they were poor. Uh, and I think it was Brian the last time we had this chat, and I didn't a hundred percent agree with him. But I think you have to give it a little more credibility. You know, the goal opportunities and the goal chances, or sorry, the lack of them that Kerry are creating. So that's twenty-three points against Cork, one goal against Limerick, one goal today scored by you know who. Paul Ganey missed a glorious chance. I mean, that played very well, though. He did play very well, and he bounced back from it. But you put yourselves in those situations where you you say to yourself, "Be ruthless, lads." Be you know, get into the habit of being ruthless. I mean, I'm quoting Brian practically. You know what he said in the show last time out. Um, I just think they'll be they'll be they'll be pleased to get the game. But I wouldn't think that Jack O'Connor got everything out of the game that he was hoping to get out of it today. No, I, I agree with you 100%, Tony. And uh, like I even look at Tom Sullivan, had a fantastic ball chance as well, threw it over the bar. And you you can't just flick a switch, as I say, inside an All-Ireland semi-final that they're hitting to know, and that's just going to happen. And that's both the worry I had in those other couple of games in the Munster Championship. You, If the goal chance comes, you just take it. You just be ruthless. And you can ease off at the end of the game or you can start tipping the ball over the bar. And I think that's... Some definitely going to be a concern from Kerry going forward because you need goals to win games. No, the only plus side of Kerry having is that they're not conceding goals in the other. I think Mayo made one opportunity today for a goal chance to Kevin yeah, McLaughlin Kevin before McLaughlin. halftime. You know, I think if that was a, a Killian O'Connor or someone a bit more composure there, just to probably maybe roll that ball on the ground or keep it low. But that's the only plus side of Kerry have at the moment is they're not coffee up goal chances. But yeah. The game is going to come at the moment if they concede a goal or they concede two goals. Are they going to score enough on the other end to score enough points? I tell you, I tell you, Brian, what's the big worry for me? The big worry for me is that David Clifford would have done next to no training in recent weeks mm -hmm. as he looked to recover from a calf problem. He's now going to do next to no training for the next two weeks yeah. as he looks to recover from an ankle injury. That's not good. You know, he's a big unit... He's never going to lose the football. But in terms of, and it's we're only talking small percentage points. I don't know, Oshin, what you think on this. 
but like he has lost i would say he has lost the better part of a month of physical hard training now and he's going to be walking limping possibly even into an all-ireland semi-final against dublin like they'll wheel him out there at this stage irrespective of how they have to patch him up but in terms of any training he's going to get done i would say it's minimal uh, it's minimal and <clears throat> and like you know we're getting to the pitch of it now as well and i think you get away with some of that stuff earlier earlier on but uh not now can can Kerry win an all ireland without david clifford I, I, I think I, they can. I actually I think, think they can. I, I'm not I, I sure. Think, I don't I think, think so. The, I think they can. I don't think so. I, I, but I'll tell you what I would do in the forward line. I don't think the balance in the forward line is right. And I think Paulie I Clifford would be lucky to hold on. Um, I think Tony Tony Brosnan has to be in the equation. I'm not sure. Maybe you play Minehead further into the goals. But the balance doesn't look right in the forward line to me. I, I thought that at times that Dave was very isolated. I thought at times he was the only yeah. forward insider and I think that's why we were forced a lot of kicks into him because he was the only fellow insider and Kerry will kick the ball they will get the ball in I'd like to see Paul maybe in the first half in particular I thought he was too far from goal um, no to be honest look lads Paulie Clifford I thought he's been Kerry's best player up until today I thought Lee Keegan fairness had him he didn't get a sniff off Lee Keegan today and I think mm-hmm. that's the respect that should be shown to Paulie because he has been for me, he is the fella that's that's dictating the games for the last couple of games. I know you can say it are against Cork and against uh, Limerick, but he has been dictating the games. As I say, he is the fella that's a, that is supplying the bullets to David. And I've seen it with his carry. We've played his carry once or twice in county championships. And yes, David gets the plaudits, but Paddy has just caused us the amount of damage he caused against us from, from coming from deep. He has a fantastic burst of pace. He's a fantastic passer. But in fairness today, Lee Keegan just, as Lee Keegan does, look sure he's one of the best defenders, one of the best footballers in the country. And, and in fairness to him, he, he he didn't give him a sniffer today. I think Paul will or the um, uh, Paddy Kiffer will keep his place. I think oh, where yeah. it might come, to, uh, where I think what it'll come down to, and I think there's going to be a decision to be made. I thought David Moore was standing today for Gary as well. Mm-hmm. For a fella that hasn't played football, missed all the league. I think he get a couple of minutes in the league final and got a couple of minutes here and there. I thought he kicked two points in play. I thought the work he did off the ball, tracking runners. There was a couple of times he went 50, 60, 70 yards to track a runner. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought he was a massive plus today. I wonder what's going to happen against Dublin because when Fritz Morris was in charge and when Peter was in charge, okay, Jack Barry, you're going on Fenton. You know what you're going to are. You're going on Brian Fenton. You take him out of the game. That's your job done. Does Dave come into the field? Does, is Jack Barry going to be fit enough to even play in two weeks' time? I think there's going to be a big call to be made there. Do you put Dermot O'Connor being forward? Dermot O'Connor wasn't at the races today. I thought he was. He was. He looked after today. But again, I just give him credit from the point of view of that he hasn't played football in a while. Maybe or you know, four weeks out and trying to get to the pitch of the game. So I think there's another decision to be made there for the for the semi final. I think I think David Clifford is a player that could play fresh. I think he's one of those players that can play fresh. It's just going down. The, it's going. Then that game goes to the wire, like like the throne game last year, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you need him ten minutes to go, and all of a sudden he's cramping up. I think that's your worry, Tony, as opposed to uh, whether he can actually play and whether he can make an impact fresh. I think he can, no problem. But um, if that game goes down the stretch and he's no, there's nothing in the legs, there's no training done. Then we're talking about that cramp situation again that that so hurt him last year. That's yeah. That's that's what I'm talking about, Oshin. Yeah. And the fact now that you have Adrian Spillane with a hamstring twinge, you have Jack Barry with a calf strain. 
you're again I don't think Jack O'Connor expected David Moore to last 70 minutes today but he did which was as Brian mm-hmm. says was a big bonus Absolutely. like Dara Moynihan was okay only today Stephen O'Brien was okay only today you know there's a lot of issues up in the air all of a sudden I, I you know we were talking last week about Kerry side picking itself yeah. now there's just a little bit of doubt into the mix with injuries and form and fellas coming back and you know is that a Dublin have the com- same question and you're coming up against Paul's boys as well. So be- <laughs> you have to stop calling them Paul's boys. Well, it's, yeah. Well, at least if them fair- to win, it doesn't mean I support them. Well, Sheen, at least we got to see, like last night again, we got to see who will be marking David Clifford anyway. You know, the old, the young, the hurling lad came on and just was given his little run around Crow Park just to get used to it for a fortnight's time. Oh, he's, he's, one of the, he's more he's than. One of, he, I don't think he, you should call him the little hurling lad. <laughs> he, he looked like he like a fair operator on the football field when he came on. I think he might need a wee bit more time in order to be given a job like that, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't see that happening. I think he will play, but I don't think he'll play on. I don't think he'll play on David Clifford. I, I, if we take, if we look at Dublin, Brian, what did you think of Dublin on Saturday? Uh, a bit like Kerry. To be honest, you know, I think you know they they, they cruise through the lesser championship. To be honest, and like that, I think there was just a case of getting the job done. They knew that Cork were going to be sticky, and it turned out they were. They were sticky in the first half, but again, they just upped the gear in the second half. And went, you know, I suppose it was just to get the cobwebs off, get enough to get over the line. Um, there was nothing spectacular about it, but I just think they had, they did. But they they had to do. They did what they had to do. They upped the gear in the second half, and they had to. I think Cork's fitness and physicality uh, does show that when Dublin went up the gear, they just hadn't the fitness, they hadn't the physicality to cope with them um, and, and job done. And I just think they, they did it without Clancy McCarthy and Conor Callaghan. And I think if you wear those two fellas back into the mix, that Dublin side, especially Conor, is just a different, they're a different team with him, with him in it. I think that focal point I saw against Kildare, just how good he was at winning ball and just everything went through him, quick hands going at his man. So... Look, I think for Dublin, it was, it was always just a case for Dublin getting through that game. Hopefully not picking up an injury. I don't think they were ever going to lose the Corps. So, um, look, I just think that, again, a run out, get the cobbles off and just get ready for Gary. It's kind of interesting. It's the game that people have been speaking about since the beginning of the championship is Dublin and Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final. And both teams are entering with just massive question marks around them. And it, it, it feels like a really, really difficult game to call. I, and I know yeah. there's none of the three of you are rushing to answer that one. No, no, I'm, I, I, I actually. The only question mark that I thought I thought was over Kerry was rustiness and being undercooked. And uh, funny enough for me, I think today just probably threw up a couple more questions. Uh, I like, I think Dublin is very you know i actually think probably the narrative from last night was actually more about cork than dublin i mean mm. i think dublin actually did exactly what everybody expected dublin to do uh and in the end they put up 21 points Kerry put up 118 today which is the same thing you know um my, i think going into that game last night my it it literally and it doesn't often happen let's face it lads that you actually predict a game and it actually turns out virtually exactly as you suggested it would that Shawnee Poser would be Cork's best player that they'd be competitive for 40 minutes 
But in the end, then they'd run out of steam. Dublin would go up two gears and they'd win by around 10 points. And that's for once exactly what did happen. Um, from a Cork point of view, I just love to see what they do, what they use that. Because that's the first time that they've been in Crow Park at that level for a few years now. And they have a lot of decent players to come back. And you'd say to yourself, in Division 2 next year, they'll kick on. And then, unfortunately, you look up the internet and you see who's in Division 2 next year. And you're saying, Christ, on a bike, you know, they've Dublin and they've Derry and they've Mead and they've the Common, And, you know, you're saying to yourself, you're not getting promoted out of that next year. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, it's a big ask for Cork. But you're right, Paul. It's it's usually we'd look forward to Dublin and Kerry as kind of this super fight, this kind of clash of the heavyweights, and they're both coming and they're both coming with a big punch. And I don't think either of them are actually coming in this time with a big punch. But if you remember, Brian was playing. Brian, remember the old start Learwigs? What year was that? Two thousand and nine, was it? Yeah. At Gilroy, yeah. and Kerry yeah. came in with a shitload of the language of question marks over them. That year, I remember there'd been you'd barely got over Sligo. Miss Sligo was the penalty, that's right, yeah. Yeah, barely got over that? Antrim. And, yeah, that's right. They struggled with Antrim. That was in Tullamore, I think, actually. Oh, yeah. it was, they found something in the last 15 minutes that day, though. Yeah, they did. did. And then all of a sudden they arrived and they played Dublin. And, you know, I'm not saying it's a very, I know it is a very, very different Dublin. No, but. It's we're going to preview. Was, we're, was, we're that gonna preview. Ha- was that a bank called the Monday game? The, no. it, uh, it could, have could have been. I think could it was because I think I think I remember. I promised the wife to take her to Dublin, and I ended up watching it in in through the window of a Panasonic. Um, TV. I think I spent an hour and twenty odd minutes. Staring into <laughs> <laughs> looking the window. window. Yeah, I digress. If, Sorry. if um, we're we're gonna we're gonna preview that game next weekend. We're gonna talk about the matchups. We're gonna kind of make a plan for each team as to how they might de- defeat the other. But before we finish today, we have to talk about what was the best performance of the weekend, and that was by Derry. Uh, who dismantled Clare in a game that was essentially over by halftime. Oshin, were you impressed with Derry? Yeah, I was impressed with Derry. I was impressed with, with everything about them. And I think uh, Derry sort of bring the same thing to the table every week, but they seem to be able to add something as well. And I think um, it was obvious that they had highlighted the fact that, you know, they were going to any goal, any half goal opportunity. And that's the way it's been. And if I go back to last year when they narrowly missed out against Donegal, they missed three crucial goal chances. And since that, they've been exceptional in front of goal in the way that they've finished off the moves that they've started. They're not perfect. I think you can get at them. I think even Claire proved that. You know, you can get round the back in them sometimes. Um, I think the fact that, that Christian McKeague is so intent on his man sometimes he's that intent on following his man that he misses sort of what's going on behind him but i think i think Derry are going along very nicely um and i think i think that Derry looked at the quarterfinals i might have said this to you last week but Derry looked at the quarterfinals and went well hold on a second let's reevaluate everything here we wanted an ulster title but are we really that far away from winning an all ireland 
And I think, having seen what they've seen at the weekend, they'll say that'll give them even yeah. more encouragement. Yeah. And they'll be happy with the way they're set up, and they'll be very happy with the form of Connor Glass in the middle of the field. Um, and again, McGuigan was good, very good. The, the, good, the big players were very good. But so was the Lake of Paul Cassidy, Shea Downey, uh, McCluskey, who never gets a mention from from cornerback. I thought he was, I thought he was exceptional. He was, brilliant. Uh, he was serious, brilliant. serious pace. Um, so some of the players on the periphery, you know, Benny Hearn, who would have take to took a little bit of stick, has now become a cult hero in in Derry. Uh, they call him the Goat. I think. <laughs> uh, in fact, there was there was Derry supporters with uh, a goat. Uh, a picture of a goat and Benny Heron's head on top of it. So, <laughs> um, I don't even know if that's sacrilege or something. You might be able to tell me that, Paul. But he, he, he players like him have really, really up, um, up the notch. And I think even what they're bringing off the bench, we mentioned about the boys that they brought off the bench, they also find they've gained a little bit more, seem to be constantly on the rise and seem to be bringing something a little bit different. Something the same thing. That you can that there's an expectancy of what they're going to bring, but they're all there's always one other layer to what they're doing, and um, yeah, I actually don't think I think of all the teams are looking at them, nobody's really going to fancy playing them. I don't think. No. What What did no. you think of them, Brian? Uh, to be honest, with you, I only, I didn't see the full game. I just I just I was traveling up at the time, but I watched it back, um, and it was just one of those games that you needed player needed to get to start. That, that Derry did. They needed to get on the front foot and get, get a couple of goals or get a goal at least. And, and But look, it, it started off with, and the game was over. It was like it was, they took Claire, what, the 26 minutes before they got their first point from play with us. Um, look, it's just one of those games that's, to be honest, I think there's a massive gulf that, between the two teams. I think we're, we're speaking about Claire being Division 2. Um, Either they're lucky to be in Division 2 or maybe Derry should be up in Division 1. I think that's the difference there. Um, I think Derry probably were the one team that improved so much from the provincial finals. From the provincial final, I think they, they kicked on a gear. I think now, again, you probably have to take into into account the opposition uh, be, being clear. But I definitely think there was a vast improvement in their game. I think they've actually brought another level to their game from, from the even from the Ulster final attacking-wise. Now, again, playing Donegal, there was a different uh, tactic involved in the game, but I think they won't, they won't fear Galway f- for one minute. And I think if 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 they could, <laughs> they could find themselves in, size in an All-Ireland final very quickly and they could be facing a Dublin or a Kerry that would still have question marks over them. Um, but I, I actually think, to be honest with you, I think there's going to be two cracking semi-finals. I think there's Galway and, and Derry both stop very similarly. Both are very defensive-minded, but have the firepower to to, to to clock up scores. Um, so I think that's going to be an absolutely cracking game, and obviously the Kerry Dublin will be a cracking game too. But uh, yeah, look, I was impressed with with with, uh, with Derry, but at the same time, I just think a bit of caution as to the opposition they were playing as well. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of Derry over the last eighteen months. I've watched a lot of their videos. I saw them play live twice against Offaly. And I really fancied them against Clare, and I kind of said beforehand that I thought it was. Well, you did. Going. You said you said that win easy. Why did you say that? 
um, because I don't think they're quite as defensive as people think they are. And now I know I saw them against Offaly and they knew they had Offaly's measure. But I think if anybody wants to examine Derry's patterns of play when they're on the ball, they should watch the video of the league final last year, the Division 3 league final where Derry dismantled Offaly, won by 13, 14 points, but could have won by way more than that. Or watch the league game in Tullamore where Derry playing into the wind in O'Connor Park in the second half left four forwards up the field and just said, we know we're better than you, we're going to play through you. And they played just, they 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 they, they just controlled the entire game, ran the game as they wished. And I think they have a lot of good footballers as well as having a good structure and they're incredibly fit. Oh, so the, part of it, part of it is the they are so conditioned. The condition is off the charts, lads. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. If there's the an example of what can be done, and obviously lockdown was very judiciously used in a, in in Derry to to get us fit there. So I think that really matters. But also, I I do I've I've nothing but regard for Clare football in in what they've done over the time. But I think Clare were very fortunate. I think Ross Common will will they the Ross Common footballers played against Clare that day. They will not forget that loss. Mm. They will remember that loss for years and how they managed to lose it. That game was done. And they blew up. I think that's the player team that lost that lost to Limerick in the Munster Championship. So I think there's a gulf there in, in that allowing for how good how, uh, allowing for that player stayed at it. So I think it was partly it was partly player getting to where they did, and partly Derry are are a, they're a better footballing team than they're giving credit for. Tony, can, yeah. Let me can I ask one question of you, um, which I'm just looking at our paper, I'm looking at the front page of our sports section here and the other screen and a few things and it's a picture of the alleged eye gouge uh, at the end of the Galway Armagh game. Do you think that the first game will be remembered as a classic or will be remembered as something grotesque because what happened at the end of normal time? Oh, it'd be a classic. Like that, like there'll be a, there's going to be a Ferrari about the row, and the row will always be as part of it. But for if you, for people who are at the game anyway, can't talk about telly, but if for people who are at the game anyway, will remember it as a fantastic occasion, mm. in my view. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a good point for anybody who was at the game, but I yes. think there was only 70,000 at the game. There's a couple of million people who are going to view that and just go. I'm just going to use it as a stick to beat us with. It's just, it's, it's ugly. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. It's you name it. Um, it's just yeah. It was you. You no. called it yourself, Oshie. Now look back at what you said about it. Um, it's not. I, I admired you for saying it because it's not usually what people say about things that their own county have been involved in. Um. Yeah, but I think it deserved it. Um. I think that. The, the the one thing I lads the one thing that I, I wouldn't I don't want to see is like I don't want to see that I don't want to see that in the game like even Geezer when he was doing his interview said he, he doesn't want to be associated with that and and you don't I, I don't think any of us want to be associated with that stuff anymore um and I think uh, the air gauge for Tiernan and Kelly was a mistake on his part. Um, but like 
I don't I don't really want to see him like I know already you know from chatting to a few people that he knows the mistake that he made I think he deserves a severe punishment for it but a punishment that's meted made out by the GA and not by the general public I agree, public. Yeah. I agree. Mm. absolutely yeah. like lads running around the internet with pitchforks isn't going to improve anyone's life um, at, 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 at but, this stage no, I, I but, just... but, yeah, sorry. No, I I just think one thing on this, and it it's not nothing to do with well, it has to do with that. But I just think, Tony, you made a point about this about the two teams in the, in the county when the park Quiver was being built. Like at this day and age now, you've two off the dress rooms. Why can't one team tug out in the home stand and the other team tug out in the Cusick stand? So you have either way in the first game you would have one team in the home stand, one team in the Cusick, and for the second game you would have one team in the Cusick, one team in the home. And it's, number one, you have two different teams going into two different dressing rooms or two different tunnels. You avoid all that. The second thing I would think about this, and it's something I think the GA needs to seriously look at, is the penalty for the crime. How many red card offences have been involved in both football and hurling this year where the CCC have been involved and they've been overturned? I think there's no consequence. I think the consequences for these actions have to be proper. I don't think they can turn around and be questioned or appealed. And you know, from the point of view of that's a serious offence. I go to like, do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to try and make it sound as if and be sounding dramatic about it, but that's a serious offence. So you could lose an eye with something like that. Could you imagine Jamie Comer missing an All Ireland semi final because of that or whatever happened? Um, and I think the punishment, I think there has to be a punishment for us. And I even go back to, and not just even that incident, but other incidents where we've had these fracas in the sidelines. You know, there was one, I think, with Armand Donegal this year as well. Um, there was, look, it happens other times. There was Dublin and Tyrone, I think, the, a couple of years ago above Norma. We hit one with Tyrone ourselves above Norma a couple of years ago as well. And I think in order to stop that, I think they have to start punishing people. I think the punishments have to be there to deter from happening. And I think they went about it from the point of view of the, even the Armagh Tyrone game, where there was a couple of red cards. Again, a lot of them went to the CCC. They were appealed. Uh, where's the consistency that's in this? For me, there has to be a consistency. If you want to clamp down on this kind of stuff, the only way you clamp down is, is by making the punishment fit the crime and not allowing people to go in and appeal these things and get them overturned because it's making a mockery of the CCC and I just think that, for me, if they want to clamp this, clamp this out of us, there has to be a punishment and draw the line. Now, I genuinely feel sorry for the two boys that got sent off. Um, who was it? There was um, Sean Kelly. Sean yeah, Kelly. Kelly. For, for contributing to a melee. But contributing to a melee, there was, there was, you could have sent off 12 or 13 fellas on each side for contributing to a melee. How you can pick out those two fellas for that instant where there were so many involved, I just don't know. Was it a coincidence that there were the captains? That's the question. So that's the question. What decision was made? Are those captains supposed to be able to control their players? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. Is this a way of trying to deter this stuff? I don't I don't know. I just I just found it like we trawled I was an RT today and we and we trawled through like all of the footage. And like you couldn't pick. In fact, if I was gonna, if I was gonna pick Sean Kelly out for anything, it was trying to um, sort the thing out. 
So yeah, he, he went the hell yeah. on by the look yeah. of it, going around trying to yeah. stop, trying to yeah, stop. Yeah, in fairness, I, I watched the Sunday game this evening, and they were the same way. They, they highlighted the two players that said, "Here they were. They weren't stuck in. They weren't rolling on the ground. They didn't have people in headlocks. They were genuinely trying to break it up, and they were two fillers that were pin, that picked out for it." So, like. <laughs> I know I'm constantly constricting myself here, but I think those two fellas that were pinned out, there was no crime committed by them from that point of view to miss an All Ireland semi final. I think it'd be crazy over that. But I'm speaking about the eye gouging instance. I think the punishment has to fit the crime there. I think he has to learn a lesson that if this happens again, or anyone for that matter that does that, will know the penalty that they're going to suffer for us. And I think it'll deter an awful lot of that stuff happening again. And I just think it's about time the GA clamp down on this kind of stuff and make an example of someone. It has to be someone. It has to start somewhere. But it will deter people from doing this down the line again. Yeah. And I, 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 don't, I don't think it's... I mean, it's not the worst, obviously, incident by far that we've seen in a high-profile game. But I do think, in fact, I'd lay a wager uh, at this stage that... It'll be the last time in a big game we'll see two teams going down the same tunnel. I'm making that prediction I, I, right I now that they're not going to allow that happen again. There are more, Brian and Oshin, you know better than me. Yeah. I'm sure I'm right in saying there are more than just two dressing rooms on the Hogan stand side. So there has to be there had to be the facility to put them on opposite sides. You just cannot have two teams in any scenario, not a mind an explosive situation at the end of normal time like we had this afternoon, going down the steps next to each other, I'm betting that that won't be seen again. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I for for what it's worth, I don't think anybody should have been sent off after it. I think the ref should have just said, "I'm going to let the GA sort this out afterwards." Mm-hmm. I think let them pick the footage, pick whoever they're going to deal with afterwards. But but I'm not going to pick out two players because there were too many involved. I think it would have been. A more prudent way of 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 doing it. I want to finish with one last question. Do you think it's acceptable, any of you, that the All Ireland semi final should be decided on a penalty shootout? Would you be happy no. for Kerry to lose to Dublin or Dublin to beat Kerry or Kerry to beat Dublin on a penalty shootout, or similarly Derry uh, Derry Galway? I don't think so. I think it's just it's just a cruel way to go to the game. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and the one reason I can see why it's in there at the moment is purely because of the fixture. It's because of the fixtures. Um, if you're telling me that you can't leave an extra week in between a quarter final and an extra week in between a semi final and final to a lower replay, so a lower we- replay a week after the, say, three weeks between the quarter final, semi final, and three weeks between the final, it's only two extra weeks in the calendar year. I- I'm surely they can find it to fit in a replay. Um, I like. What we wouldn't give to be going back to Crop Park again next weekend to watch that game. Um, I think it's I think it's crazy. I think it's only purely just down to the fixture list. I think it's doing a reason why it's there. I can't explain any other reason why it is. Tony. Well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt on the fixture list and let's challenge them to come up with a more creative solution other than penalties. I.e., if you even have to go for an extra five minutes, or if you even have to go for a golden score, I'd still rather win a game by someone having, you know, to get the last score in open play than actually go to penalties. And I know Oshin has yet to come in, but I'll burst, uh, Paul, if I don't get to say, would we please, if we're going to rob one idea 
from English football or from whatever, from association football or soccer or whatever we want to call it, then can it please be the referee's white snow can to spray on the ground, to stop players stealing ridiculous amounts of metres at this stage for free and marks? It's gone beyond... These two lads goal. here were two of the kings of it. Oh, yeah, no, was... Like Brian Sheehan had the best, the longest arms I've ever seen of a fella playing the ball forward. I used to take the ball back. I kicked him off the ground. I know, I left him on the ground. I used to reach forward. Oh, Inspector Gadget arms. Brian Sheehan Sheehan is is the innocent party. Oshin McConville is guilty as charged. But compared to Oshin, compared to the fellas, no. You yeah. were only in the Tuttons Hatney place. These guys are stealing like 8, 10, 12 metres. Absolutely. Would, would we just ever just get the spray can, put it down in the pitch and say that's where the kick is from? It's going to become, lads, a massive issue in a massive final one day where a referee is actually going to call someone up and say, you can't do that. It decided the game and then it'll be retaken and he'll miss it and there'll be a big song and dance about it. Let's get in there first and do the right thing. But on the penalties... Absolutely not. I'm not a penalty person. Oshin. Yeah, no, I, I didn't think it added anything to the occasion today. And I think initially, maybe when people dreamt this up, they thought, oh, this lad, serious drama. And they're thinking about the penalty shootouts they've seen and, you know, in, in previous years and in big soccer matches and all that sort of thing. So I don't think it, it adds anything to the game. I think it's, uh, you get me, you know, when I'm emotionally at, at my all time low. But um, it's not. A, it's a horrible way to lose. But I actually talked to a few Galway people, and they didn't think it was a particularly great way to win either. So, I mean, there you go. I think that's your answer. And 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 seeing as Paul, you're are you granting wishes tonight? Because Tony wants the spray can. Can I? Can we please get rid of the, the forward mark as well? It's just. Yeah, it's a disaster. Kerry's first point today actually was a kick out, Mark caught in midfield, fair enough. But then a, a long ball through to David Clifford and a tap over point. And he could have turned and gone at, at that game, but it was a different amount. It but imagine, imagine the skill, imagine the skill involved in catching a ball with nobody yeah. near you yeah. <laughs> and getting rewarded for that. Fucking ridiculous, lads. Yeah, I, there was a score in the second half where he, he, he won a ball and I think he was going to play on and the ref blew the whistle. That's right. Indicate the mark and then Dave decided, oh yeah. Like, you're giving one of the best kickers in the country a free opportunity to, to have a kick at a post because he caught the ball uh, over a 40-yard kick. Like, I just think it's... I'd keep it for the kickouts. But you own yes, I agree. I, I think it. I think it adds to it. I think it, it, it adds to it rather than allowing a fellow to go catch your ball and come down and be swamped and not being able to to offload us. I think it would just encourage. I wonder how good. I wonder how good it would be if we got rid of both, though. Just to, just for the outcry. No, but just yeah. just to see, you know that that you know we're very structured in everything we do. You know now there's loads of structure about everything in the game. And I wonder would that create that little bit more chaos? Just wonder, you know, because that's what we're crying out for at the end of the day. You love that game today, so it was chaos. You love when Mayo, you know, went all out to try and, you know, topple teams in the past and try and beat that brilliant Dublin team and the carries and you love that stuff. But that you won't let go of these couple of things that could bring us back to that point. How long is it going to take you to get over this, Oshin? 
I just pick it the same thing. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking a, a week it could be like back on sort of like a fairly level playing field. <laughs> Look, no, um, no, it's gonna it takes it does take a bit it does take a bit of time when you we our my people were invested in it. I think that's the thing, heavily invested in it, and and, and we get the we would get the Mickey taken out of us for the fact that we got so invested and ended up going out in the quarter final. But that's too way that's too far off we've been, and uh, but I do think that. The challenge is sustainable, so hopefully we'll be back in next year. When we um when we started recording this podcast, it was Sunday night. It's now um it's now into Monday morning, and um thank you, Washin, for uh for coming in. I know it hasn't been uh, not straightforward after you lose a match like that, but it's um thank you for staying on and to to Brian and to Tony. The Kerry dream lives on uh, onwards to two weeks' time. We'll talk about that. In a fortnight, thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, and to everyone at Examiner Sport. Thanks to um, to Renault for their continuing support. Bemidj Harnashkalua. Thanks to our sponsors, Renault, the Renault Capture, the versatile, compact family SUV. I, I agree, no right. I, I agree, no right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember that. Then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Oh, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, he's going